Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something that you can take notes with this morning. Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 21. Thanks, Chris. You're the man. First Sunday of the new year. Happy new year, everybody. Good to see you. Thank you. Whoever said Happy New Year to me. <clears throat> Open up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 21. Anybody starting off the New Year's with resolutions? I feel like it's like the mandatory question to ask. Raise your hand if you still go through the trouble of setting resolutions. Me, Steph, Natasha. Okay, a few of us. So, okay, the rest of you, raise your hand. You just don't bother anymore. Good for you. That's kind of mature in a lot of ways. Like, it's just bite the bullet on the front end. It's not going to happen, right? Uh, around church, if you've been a part of Antioch for any uh, calendar years, you know that we like to start the year uh, talking about specific words that God's speaking to us as, at the beginning of the year. I take a lot of time with some of the leadership teams around here at the end of a year to ask the Lord, Lord, as we're starting a new year, is there anything that you would call our attention to, anything that we need to focus on? Over the years, the Lord has spoken different things in different ways and kind of different avenues. Sometimes there's promises that God is speaking to us that he is calling our attention to at the beginning of the year. There's years where uh, the, the, what we feel the leading of the Lord is more of an instruction, a specific instruction to sort of put on the forefront as we begin the year. Sometimes there's an area to grow in that God is highlighting. And isn't that your favorite thing? When, when God highlights an area that you have to grow in, it's not always my favorite thing. You're like, I thought we were doing good there, but we need to go deeper. So sometimes God's in his grace, he's highlighting an area to grow in. And this year, as we look towards the beginning of the year, we've been seeking the Lord and really excited about what God is highlighting for us as we kick off 2024. And I believe that this year, God's just really calling our attention to something, and we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 21, and the, the, thing that, the, way, and the thing that God's saying to call our attention to, it's a little intense. And, and that's the pastoral way of me standing up here and saying, this is super intense. <laughs> Jesus is really intense. I don't know if you've like read the Gospels lately, but there's some intense stuff in there. It's intense, uh, and, and Jesus says intense things and does intense things, but that's good. They're, they're always good. They, even the intense things that he does, they're good, they're helpful. The things that Jesus says and does and calls our attention to, they are true and they are necessary. And therefore, whether it's comfortable or not on the front end, we need to hear anything and everything it is that Jesus has to say to us. We don't need this year coddling from God we don't need our ears tickled from the news sources or from microphones or from even the friends in our lives to just make sure or to tell us that everything's okay and it's going to be fine and everything's going great. If there really is something that we need to focus on, what we need in our life is we need real help. We need real instruction. We need real truth. We need, we need real leadership in our life from God. And the real God gives us all of those things. We need those things. And the real God gives them to us. 
So Matthew chapter 21, we're going to read, um, I guess, about half of it. It's a pretty intense chapter. It starts at the very beginning with the triumphal entry. So we're in Passion Week. We're at the start of Passion Week, the Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, his resurrection. We're like right there on the doorstep. It's week of, clock is ticking. And Jesus, as he is approaching all of these realities, he is locked in. He enters on a donkey into Jerusalem and the crowd goes crazy. Everybody loves him. Hosanna. Hosanna. So exciting. Then he goes into the temple and starts flipping tables over and whipping people and kicking them out. That was a little unexpected. The next story we get is that he's on a street and wants a fig from a fig tree and the fig tree doesn't have any figs for him and he curses it and it withers. So the next thing we get where we're going to start our reading this morning, all of this has happened and now he's teaching in the temple and he is approached by some of the chief priests and the elders and after observing what they have observed, they have an understandable question. And as Jesus addresses their question, um, I would think, I I don't want to totally speak for the chief priests and the elders, but my guess is that they got much more than they bargained for in Jesus' response to their question. He speaks for a little bit. He speaks for a little while. So would you stand with me for the reading of the word of God? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, here's their question. By by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I will also ask you a question. It's always a buckle up kind of thing. If you're praying and you're asking God questions and you feel the Holy Spirit say, those are great questions. I have one for you too. Like... Praise the Lord. Here we go. I also will ask you one question, just one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. I love that. You remember John lost his head recently? You had some thoughts about him? The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, Well, shoot, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And continues, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered him, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? 
They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to invite you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Jesus continues. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants, when the tenants saw the son, they said, to themselves, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you ever read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this year that you've given us. Thank you for this morning and this space to gather together in your name. We thank you for your promise that as we come together in your name, you're here with us. We thank you for your word that you've given to us that is alive and active like you are. We invite you, Holy Spirit, lead us, speak to us, train us, rebuke us, encourage us, perfect us according to the good work you have for us. Pray that you would build us together in your name. You would unify us. Pray that you would lift up yourself among us this morning, that we would be drawn to you, every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning, and I believe the Lord's calling our attention to this exhortation towards kingdom fruit. Kingdom fruit. What are you aiming for this year? It's a good question at the beginning of a year. What are you aiming for this year? Maybe you're somebody who, whether you have resolutions or not, maybe you don't call them resolutions, but maybe you spend time working on getting clear on your priorities for the year, your goals for the year, the things that you need to focus on for the year. Maybe you're not a New Year's resolution person, as 99% of you are not. Maybe you are for the few who are, but if you're here this morning, 
wherever you fit on any of those kind of ideas, I'm going to assume a couple of things about you as we get started this morning. Number one, I'm going to assume about you, whether you like resolutions or not, that you're starting this year planning on getting to the end of this year. And number two, I'm going to assume about you that regardless of how much thought you've put into 2024, you don't want 2024 to be super lame. You want to make it to the end of the year, and you're really counting on this not being super duper lame. Maybe if there's a third one that just because we're in church, I'm going to assume that you are somewhere on the scale of slightly interested to deeply interested in God liking what you did with your life this year by the time we get to the end of it. So there's three assumptions. Maybe give me a nod if that's at least fair. Like, yeah, okay, yep, those, those three things apply to me. Great. We're all on the same page now, resolutions or not. There is an old adage that I'm sure you've heard before that it's, it's a good idea and it's a wise idea to begin with the end in mind. It's, it's good to begin with the end in mind. And as Jesus nears his crucifixion, he very clearly focuses on calling our attention to the end of things. He calls our attention to the end of things in terms of time. There's different sections in the gospel where as he's coming towards the crucifixion, he begins to speak about the end of things in terms of time, his return or the end of all things. But he, even in that, makes clear to us that we don't know the day or the hour of the end of things or the return of the Lord. In another sense, though, Jesus calls our attention to focus on the end of things in the sense of purpose. What is the purpose of all things? What is the reason for all things? Jesus doesn't tell us the day or the hour clearly that the time of things will end, but he does very clearly call us to the purpose to the end of all things. In the stories and the parables that we read this morning, Jesus very bluntly paints the grand portrait of reality for all who will hear. There is a God. Everything is his. We are participating in his kingdom and we will return back to him everything that belongs to him. And in the end, we will be judged for what we did with what he gave us to steward. That, that, is, that is where everything is headed. There is a God. Everything is his. What we have is his, and we are stewarding it, and we will be judged in the end as we return back to him what he gave to us. And Jesus is the cornerstone of God's kingdom. And he is the judge. He is the judge that no one can stand against. This, this is the end of all things. The one who falls on the stone of Christ in judgment, who comes under the judgment of Jesus, will be broken into pieces. And when his judgment falls on the one who would stand against him, it is Christ who will crush. Happy New Year. Jesus loves the people he is speaking to. He loves them so much, and, and he knows them. He knows that they have missed the point. They have 
missed the point. They are headed in the wrong direction. And he speaks to them plainly in his great mercy to beckon them back to the main thing. Beckon them into clarity of purpose, clarity of the end of all things. He speaks to them so bluntly in verse 43. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people producing its fruits. In the first parable, Jesus tells of a father who asks his son to go work in the father's field. Or he asks both his sons to go work in the father's field. The first one says he will not go but then does go. The second one says he will go, but then does not go. And Jesus asks his listeners, which of the sons did the will of the father? And they answer the first one. Though he said he wouldn't go, he did. And that was the will of the father. In the second parable, Jesus tells of a master who buys some land. He plants a vineyard, builds a fence, and lends out his land to some tenants. When the season for fruit comes, he The master sends his servants to the tenants to receive his fruit. It's his field. It's his fruit. And he wants to receive his fruit from his field. The tenants kill the servants one after another. And then the master sends his own son to receive the fruit. But they kill the son as well. And Jesus asks the hearers, what will the master do to those tenants? What would your judgment be in this scenario? And the answer will, they answer with what they would do. He will put those wretches to a miserable death. I mean, wouldn't you? And let out the field to other tenants who will give him the fruits of his field. And Jesus in both instances, makes it clear to them in no uncertain terms that they are correct. Their judgments are right. Even their their earthly judgments, they are right. And it tells us this about the kingdom of God, that we are not judged by our words, but by our actions. He makes it so abundantly clear. We can talk all day long about participating with God and his kingdom and working in his fields, but if we don't actually participate in it, if we don't actually bear fruit, we will be judged by the reality of our actions, not the intentions of our words. He tells them they are correct in their judgment. In the second parable as well, God does not look past the rejection of his servants the rejection of his prophets, the rejection of his instructions. God does not look past the rejection of his son. It is clear that pedigree does not give anyone a right into God's kingdom, but rather he takes it from those who do not bear the fruit of his kingdom and he gives his kingdom to those who will produce his kingdom's fruit. I told you, this is really intense. And it would all be really harsh and burdensome and discouraging and just straight up, frankly, painful to listen to if it wasn't 
true. But because it is true, it's actually really freeing and really empowering. Jesus himself told us, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth doesn't always hit real gently. The truth doesn't always hit in a very comforting way. But the reality is that it is truth that sets us free. And everything that Jesus says in these parables, it doesn't hit very gently. It doesn't come across as very comforting. But because it is true, we need to hold on to the fact, okay, this is setting me free. This is, this is and will set me free and empower me. See, the truth sets us free from the distractions and from the distortions of the world and the flesh and the devil. The truth cuts through lies that bind us. Sometimes the chains of lies are quite comfortable. That doesn't make them good for you. Sometimes the distractions feel very normal, very familiar. That doesn't make them good for you. This is the white noise that we talk about a lot about. I've talked a lot about for years. There's this white noise of just kind of going through the motions and we can get lulled by just the little distractions at a time, a little bit of lies at a time, a little bit of compromise at a time to just sort of settle in and not rock the boat too much but that's not freedom. That's not freedom. Jesus says, I want to tell you the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. And at first, it's going to feel like you're getting robbed from the comfort that you've gotten so used to. And in one sense, I am robbing you from that, and do not apologize. <laughs> but he says there, that is a road that leads to much, much greater discomfort in the end. Let us keep the end in mind, my friends. The truth sets us free. And as Jesus makes this so crystal clear to us, the reality of his kingdom, the reality of what is true, he is calling us and empowering us to set ourselves, to wake up from the distractions and the distortions and to set ourselves towards what is actually true, what is actually meaningful. And don't miss this, what is really, truly available. It's available. The kingdom of God and bearing kingdom fruit is available to you. That life is available to you. A life of producing kingdom fruit is not just expected by God. It is available to you by God. The kingdom of God and its fruit is available to you. In verse 31, Jesus says to the chief priests and the elders that the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before them. It's possible to enter in. That's good news. It wasn't the people that you would expect at the beginning of the story who got in, but people get in. That's amazing. That's encouraging. I like the sound of that. And then in verse 32, the next verse, he makes clear why they entered the kingdom of God. This is getting even better. I can enter the kingdom of God, and now he tells us how. 
He makes it clear that those who enter the kingdom of God, they didn't enter the kingdom of God because they were tax collectors and prostitutes. It was because they believed. That's the reason. That's the how. That's the why. That was, that was how they walked in to the kingdom of God. It wasn't like, well, I've got Pharisees and chief elders and religious people over here, and I have tax collectors and prostitutes over here, so I'm just going to choose the tax collectors and prostitutes because that's who they are. No, no, no. It's the fact that they believed. They believed the kingdom of God is available, and everybody enters into it by the same way. Whether you have pedigree or are a prostitute, you enter the kingdom of God by believing. The marking attribute of those commended in the parable of the two sons was not that they were Pharisees or that they were tax collectors or prostitutes. The marking attribute of those who inherit the kingdom of God is belief. Is belief. Kingdom fruit does include your work, but it comes by God's grace. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, says this, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Some more of that truth for you. But God, here's the rest of that truth for you. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have had the door of the kingdom opened to you. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through believing. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Does this mean that the works don't matter? Of course not. Without, without works, your faith is dead, right? The scripture tells us. The sons were expected to go to work. The point is that they were already sons. That's why they should have gone to work. They weren't trying to become sons. They were sons of the Father. The field that they were working in was His, which means it was theirs. This is why you go to work in the field. This is why you do the works of the kingdom, because you've been saved by grace, not by works. So now you do the works. Now you bear the fruit. Now you live out the kingdom that you have been saved by grace into. You enter into the kingdom of God in belief. And then he, get this verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
That is so good. You are saved by grace through faith. Praise the Lord. And now you're created in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, use the, the terms that talking about being born again. You get born again, recreated. Other places in scripture tells us the, the old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creation. You are created now in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you know that if you are here this morning, saved by the grace of God, you have been created today for good works. That's why you're here. That's why you got today. That's why you got this year. It was for good works. And it gets better than that, actually. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. That's awesome. And it gets better. That we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that have already been prepared for the sole purpose of us walking in them. I'll take that. What this tells us is that you are kingdom fruit by the grace of God. You are kingdom fruit. And you are created in Christ Jesus for kingdom fruit that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in it. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be discussing the lifestyle that produces kingdom fruit. But the first step is that you must set yourself towards kingdom fruit. That's the first step. We can talk till we're blue in the face. We can talk, talk, talk all day long, right? That's what Jesus says. We can talk all day long. But when it comes to actually producing kingdom fruit, the first step is not talking about it. The first step is setting yourself towards it, prioritizing it this year. I want to encourage you and challenge you and exhort you and shout at you a little bit on the microphone this year. Set yourself towards this end goal, that you would bear kingdom fruit this year. Set yourself towards kingdom fruit. In your personal life, kingdom fruit. In your marriage, kingdom fruit. In your friendships, kingdom fruit. In your parenting, kingdom fruit. In your workplace, kingdom fruit. In your reporting to your manager, kingdom fruit. In your managing direct reports, kingdom fruit. In your work at the home, kingdom fruit. In your time with God, kingdom fruit. In your reading of the Bible, kingdom fruit. In your prayer, kingdom fruit. In your hopes, kingdom fruit. In your desires, kingdom fruit. In your conversations, kingdom fruit. In your thoughts about others, kingdom fruit. In your thoughts about yourself, kingdom fruit. In your thoughts about God, kingdom fruit. This is not just something that you must do, producing kingdom fruit. It's not only something you must do. It is what God will do as you keep in step with him. This exhortation of Jesus, I will take the kingdom away from those who do not produce its fruit and I will give it to those producing its fruit. If I want to be that people... It's not by my works, not by my effort. It is by the grace of God because he is the one who does it in and through me. In the end, 
what do all the goals matter? What does the money matter, the follow-through, the workout plan, the progress, the success, the improvement? What does it all matter if none of it is bearing any kingdom fruit? I'm going to state the obvious just as we start the year. Just a little side note. This is going to be a wild election year. We're not going to talk about this too much. Don't worry. I'm just saying, we're headed into months of candidates promising to be your savior and promising to build the United States into a glorious kingdom that they envision. If we're going to stay unified in normal life plus that, we must set ourselves towards the king, towards his kingdom, and towards producing his fruit. Now, take your vote seriously, hold your opinions passionately, discuss and debate them appropriately. I will, I do. But keep them prioritized correctly. Jesus will be on the throne beyond the next four years. His kingdom will outlast this and every other nation. And you will not give account to God for what a political, a politician or a party did or didn't do. You will give account to God for the fruit you did or didn't bear. In all things this year, set yourself towards kingdom fruit. Kingdom fruit. Grab on to this little phrase, kingdom fruit. Grab on to it in your prayer life. Lord, today, kingdom fruit. Lead me in kingdom fruit. Produce in me kingdom fruit. Filter your decisions through this aim. Lord, I've got opinions and everything, but how can I bear kingdom fruit in this situation? Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation and in this decision, but how can I produce your kingdom fruit through this decision? Let this motivate your behavior in all of your relationships. Lord, how can I bear kingdom fruit in this relationship with my friend? How can I produce kingdom fruit in my interactions with my roommates? How can I cultivate kingdom fruit in my marriage? How can I cultivate kingdom fruit in my friend, just the person? How can I cultivate kingdom fruit in my child, in my neighbor? Let us start this year with the end in mind, with the purpose in mind. In the midst of all you can't control, in the midst of all you can't do, in whatever you do accomplish or whatever you fall short in this year, in the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, let us set ourselves towards the kingdom of God and producing his kingdom fruit. Would you stand as we wrap up our time together this morning? Our prayer team is going to come up to the front and be available. If you need prayer for anything in your life, please come up and get it. We're going to spend a few moments worshiping together as we wrap up our time. I want to pray for us that God would capture our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our souls. He would capture our time and our schedules and our attention and our efforts and our energy with this reality that there is a purpose of all things. There is an end of all things. It is God and it is, it is his kingdom and it is the fruit of his glorious kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, we take you at your word right now that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. 
And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, freedom in Jesus' name over all of us in this church, over all of your people who call you by your name. Lord, we ask and declare freedom this year to produce your kingdom fruit. Come in us by your grace. Come through us and empower us by the Holy Spirit that we might participate with you in your fields, Lord, in your kingdom, in your purposes, in your ways, and in your will. Come, Holy Spirit. Shake us from the distractions that we may be distracted by right now. Keep us on the narrow road as we navigate the voices and the noises to come. Lord, as we look at the beginning of this year, towards the reality that this year will end at some point, we, if we could have one thing, it would be kingdom fruit. Come and have us, come and lead us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship together.